Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of Finishing the Giant of Fear. And now, here is today's broadcast. 1 Kings 19, 1 Samuel 17. First Kings 19, we'll read the first five verses. First Samuel 17, we'll read two verses, 31 and 37. Here's the, here's the passage from First Kings 19. If you've been here for this series, you, this should sound familiar. When Ahab, King Ahab, got home, he told his wife Jezebel everything the prophet Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, left his servant there, and then he went alone into the wilderness traveling all day, sat down under a solitary broom tree, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, because I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And we're going to leave that passage right there. Go to 1 Samuel 17, verse 31. David's question was reported to King Saul, and Saul sent for him. In verse 37, uh, this is what David said. He said, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented and said, All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. This Philistine was Goliath, and David is going out to fight him. Lord, I pray that you would add your anointing, your blessing, your illumination to the reading and the preaching and the hearing and the doing of your word. God, I pray that we never be guilty of knowing what to do and refusing to do it. But God, I pray that you'd change our lives with your word and with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, we're in the third week of a series called Jezebels and Giants. Jezebels and Giants, breaking the tyranny of fear. See, we, what, we've, what we've discovered is that fear is a tyrant who tries to keep us intimidated and separated from the good things that God has for us. We are, we are trying in this series to learn how to dethrone this tyrant by looking at the situations faced by Elijah and David. There's no way to go through this life without facing some Jezebels and some giants. That's just how, that's gonna, that's just how life works. These are situations that have the potential to bring great fear into our lives. And while we can't control the circumstances of our lives, we do have control over how we react to those circumstances. So are we going to do as Elijah did and get caught in the cycle of fear that sends us running out into the wilderness praying to die? Or are we going to do like David did and boldly face the giant of fear in our lives? You see, the reality is we've all been Elijah at some point, haven't we? All run out in the wilderness by ourselves, freaked out, scared to death. 
And most likely, we've all had a time or two that we felt like David, where we actually defeated the giant. Well, the idea is to learn how to handle fear so that there's more conquering and less cowering to fear. Now, here's been sort of the rallying cry of this whole series. Everything you want, every good and perfect gift that God has for you is on the other side of your fear. Everything you want is on the other side of your fear. So until we learn how to conquer that fear, we're going to live beneath our privilege as sons and daughters of the Most High God. So in the first message, we learned about the cycle of fear so that we can recognize it and stop it before it gets a solid grip on us. And, and, and that was Elijah's reaction to Jezebel. He got caught up in that cycle. And then last week, we learned uh, that David was able to face his literal giant in his life, and, and we learned some things, five things as a matter of fact, that from, from that situation that we can apply to our lives when we face our giants. Now, I'm really excited to be hearing back from you about the ways that God is using this series and the Word of God to, to really to, to break the hold of fear in your life. And I'm hearing from people who are taking steps of faith, who are, who are moving forward instead of being paralyzed with fear, and I'm excited about that. It is such an incredible privilege to serve a God who loves us enough to tell us the truth. Amen? Amen. So last week we pulled these five lessons. I want to hit them real quick, and then we're going to dive into the last three that we can learn from David's encounter with Goliath. Here's what we learned last week. First of all, focus on the future. Focus on the future. If you're going to uh, see the benefits and the blessings of God, then you're going to have to focus on the future. Get past the fear and look at what's in the future. The second thing is you need to remember past successes. See, all of us have been in difficult situations before, so let the memory of the ways that God has helped you in the past give you the faith and the courage to trust Him to get past your fear in the present. The third thing is we can start with the can-dos. Part of what, what, what's so difficult about fear is that it paralyzes us. There's almost, but there's almost always something you can do to move forward to get some positive momentum in every situation. So focus on what you can do and move forward. The fourth thing is we have to see it spiritually. We have to see our situation spiritually. Every bout with fear that you have in your life is a spiritual battle. And until you realize it and accept it, then you're going to be fighting fear with the wrong weapons. So you have to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Here's the last thing we learned last week is you have to consider the source. You have to consider the source. If you know it's the enemy who's trying to bring fear into your life, then stop listening to him. Consider the source of the fear and refuse to accept it. But also consider the source of your strength and realize that it's the Lord of heaven's armies, that God is your refuge and your strength and your peace. And, and so you're not depending upon yourself, you're depending upon the Lord. Okay, so today I want to talk about the last three things that we can learn from David's battle with Goliath uh, in a message that's called Finishing the Giant of Fear. Last week was Facing the Giant of Fear. This week is Finishing the Giant of Fear because David didn't just face the giant, he finished him. He finished him. And, and, and that's what we want. We want to be free from the tyranny of fear forever. So let's jump in. Here's the first thing, and this is going to be a little odd. I want to show it to you in the Word, and I'll explain it to you in just a second. The first thing that we have to learn today, if we're going to finish the giant of fear, is we have to stomp the ants. We have to stomp the ants. Y'all itching? 
<laughs> a couple of you picked your feet up. And, uh, we, we have mice, but we don't have ants. I just want you all to be real comfortable. To, I'm just kidding. All right, stomp the ants. 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, this is what the word says. So Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? Goliath roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that, God, that the Lord rescues His people, not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. <laughs> you have to stomp the ants. Well, what in the world are ants? Automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. One of the biggest issues we face around this issue of fear is ants. Automatic negative thoughts. As soon as a situation arises that's not wanted or not expected in our lives, these ants come marching in, don't they? Right? You're just not smart enough. You're, you're not spiritual enough. God doesn't love you enough to give you that or to do that for you. You don't have the right connections. You're not politically connected enough. You aren't pretty enough, skinny enough, curvy enough. You aren't handsome enough, strong enough. You aren't. You can't. You'll never. You won't. All of those things come in. And the hardest thing about them is that they seem to come in uninvited, like an annoying neighbor who just walks in the back door. It's still annoying, but after a while, you just kind of get used to it, as if that's the way it has to be. Listen, that is not the way it has to be. Romans 8, which we read just a few minutes ago, says we've been made more than conquerors, through Jesus Christ who loves us. Listen, you can do something about the ants. You can do something about the automatic negative thoughts. As a matter of fact, you have to do something about them or you'll never finish off the giant of fear in your life. David eliminated every one of those negative thoughts. He eliminated every thought that wasn't of faith. He ignored his brother's criticisms. He ignored his brother's accusations. He ignored Goliath's taunts. And as a matter of fact, David had a few taunts of his own to throw back at the giant. It's amazing how much, how much confidence you have when you stop the ants. Listen, stop talking down to yourself. I heard somebody say this, if you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. Nobody's as bad as you make yourself out to be. Stop saying those things about yourself. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. If he's talking, he's lying. David didn't listen to any of the stuff the giant had to say. And we have to do the same thing when we face the giant of fear in our lives. You see, part of the problem is this social media syndrome. 
that we live in. You know how everybody's life looks perfect on social media? Perfect vacation, perfect kids, perfect spouse, wonderful relationship, best job in the world, my church is the most awesome thing ever, right? All that stuff. Listen, even if you don't use social media, just living in this world in general, now you're prone to seeing everybody's highlight reel, which you compare to your blooper reel. Right? What runs in your mind is all of your mistakes, all of your failures. We look at everybody else and all we see is perfection because we've all become expert at, experts at marketing. All we see is everybody else's perfection, but we look at ourselves and all we see are our flaws. Well, guess what? Both of those things, both of those extremes are lies. They're both lies. Nobody is as perfect as you think they are. Nobody is as perfect as you think they are. And nobody's as terrible as we think we are. Both of those extremes are lies. And but see, for most of us, with the exception of the devil, the biggest liar in your life is you. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings or anything, but isn't that the truth? Listen, who told you you couldn't do it? Who told you nobody will follow you if you try to lead? Who told you that you can't keep a good man or a good woman? Who told you you don't have what it takes? You did. You did. Stop lying to yourself. You and God can do anything He wants you to do. Don't defeat yourself before you start. Listen, some of us are so good at stopping the will of God in our lives, we're going to put the devil out of business. we got to stop lying to ourselves. For some people, it comes down to one moment in their life, and that's, that's, that's what plays in their head over and over again. It's that one moment. That one decision that you made that threw everything else off course. The pressure was on, and you folded you choked. Maybe it was one moment of indiscretion. Maybe it was one lapse in judgment. Maybe it was one poorly thought out decision. Maybe it was one momentary loss of integrity. And because of that, every time you're faced with a challenge, you automatically assume that you're going to blow it again because you blew it before. Automatic negative thoughts. What's that moment for you? What is that moment in your life that you always go back to, to in your mind? Listen to me. It's time to stop the ants. We've got to replace the old ways of thinking with God's ways of thinking. These old patterns have become what the Bible calls a stronghold. And I want to show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5. through 5. In the NIV it says this, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then he tells us what strongholds are. We demolish arguments and every pretension, that's a thought process, a thought pattern, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. These negative lying thoughts, if they go unchecked in your mind, will become a pattern of thinking. 
They'll become a, par- a paradigm, your, your default setting, if you will. And everything you experience in your life will get filtered through that paradigm. It becomes a stronghold, a fortress. And guess who lives in a fortress? A tyrant, a king. The tyrant of fear lives in the strongholds of your mind. You've got to do what Paul says. You've got to take captive every thought. What does that mean? Well, when a thought hits your mind, especially when you're in a stressful, potentially fearful situation, you grab that thought by the throat and you hold it up to the light of the Word of God. And if it's not the truth, you throw it out. If it is the truth, you build your life on it. You can't control what thoughts come into your head, but you can control what stays there and what affects your decisions. See, if we're, if we're coming on Wednesday, if you're coming on Wednesday nights, we just started a brand new series from John Bevere called the Renew Series, and this, is, this, this message is working hand in hand with it. Uh, you, you change your actions, your feelings, and your, uh, and your thoughts by changing your beliefs. You change what you believe, and that changes everything else. You have to determine that what you believe is going to line up with the Word of God and that anything contrary to the Word of God is a lie. David said to the giant in front of him, Listen, I hear what you're saying, Mr. Goliath, but I'm not moved by that because I hear God talking to me and I'm choosing to believe Him. So I know you've never lost a battle, Goliath, but God is giving me the assurance of victory in my spirit and I'm choosing to believe Him. We've got to stop the automatic negative thoughts from from having free reign in our minds and replace those ants with the truth of God's Word. That's the first thing we have to do if we're going to finish the giant of fear. Here's the second thing. Do it now. Do it now. 1 Samuel 17, look at verse 48. Look at what this is, the very next verse As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly to meet him. He quickly ran out to meet him. I love this. See, David didn't set up a defensive position and wait for Goliath to make the first move. He he wasn't hiding behind a rock to see what Goliath was going to do. Once he decided he was going to face this giant, he went running right at him. Let me ask you something. What is it that you've been afraid of? That God says it's time to face? What giant needs to fall in your life right now? If you know what it is, listen, there's no time like the present. No time like the present. Don't wait. Go ahead and face that thing. Once you know that you have the plan and permission of God, then do it now. Waiting is only going to prolong the fear and increase the chances of you changing your mind. Do it now. Do it while you have the faith. Do it before you, cha- you lose your nerve and change your mind. If you know it's God, then take a step that makes it hard for you to change your mind. You might need to tell somebody that you're going to do something. You might need to make an appointment. You may need to say something publicly that puts you on the hook for it so that you can't wiggle out of it. Listen, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or anything, But I'm convinced of this truth because I've seen it in my life. Procrastination is usually the evidence of fear. Procrastination is usually the evidence of fear. 
The reason you wait to do something is not that you're, you, you're waiting on God's timing or something spiritual sounding like that. Most of the time, it's because you're scared. You're scared. For four years, I was the technology coordinator and administrator at the junior high in Carrollton. And my office was adjacent to the media center, so I, I spent a lot of time and got to know the media specialist very well. And she was a fantastic lady. She was toward the end of her career, and I was towards the beginning of mine. Lots of wisdom in that, in that wonderful lady. And, and she walked into my office one day, and I was cleaning and reorganizing, which I did pretty frequently. And she said something I've never forgotten. She said, what are you trying to avoid doing? I said, excuse me? She said, when you start cleaning like this, it's usually because you're supposed to be doing something you don't want to do. I said, get out of my head. And she was absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I've seen that tendency throughout my life. And I'm trying to, do, I'm trying to get to the point now that when I notice that, that I notice myself avoiding something or trying to, then I make myself do it right there on the spot. It's, it's, a very rare, it's very rare that the situation is going to improve by waiting. It's very rare that the situation gets easier by waiting. Usually it gets harder, it gets worse, or it gets more complicated. And you get less motivated to do anything about it the longer you wait. Why? Because then you worry about it. And it makes it larger in your mind than it actually is. So if God has shown you that you need to take care of something but you're afraid, do it now. Do like David. Run straight at it and watch it fall. So if you've got a stack of unopened bills at home that you're afraid to look at, go ahead and dive in. You can't get out of a hole till you know how deep it is. Fear of the unknown is one of the biggest fears. So go ahead. Go ahead and bring it to the light. Just find out. You got a difficult, situ a difficult conversation you need to have with somebody? Go ahead and have it. I, I know you don't know how it's going to turn out, and that's a huge fear for most of us. We don't know how something's going to turn out, but it can't be worse than letting this thing grow and fester, and it can't be worse than avoiding the person the way you're avoiding them now. So go ahead and have that conversation. And there's a, there, there's a thousand ways where this might apply. And let the, let the Spirit lead you there. But there are a lot of things that bring fear in our lives. But usually putting them off just makes them harder. Just makes them harder to conquer. If you see a giant of fear standing in a situation, grab your sling and your stones and start running right at it. Here's the third thing and the last thing. Kill the giant. Kill the giant. This is about finishing the giant. This is really where the concept comes from. And I want to read you a verse... Uh, that might surprise you. In verse 48 was where we're going to pick up. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, took out a stone, hurled it with his sling, and hit the Philistine in the forehead. Now look very carefully what it actually says. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine only with a sling and stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used the sword to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw the champion was dead, they turned and ran. This is why the message is titled, Finishing the Giant of Fear. David didn't technically kill Goliath 
with the stone. He knocked him down. Now, if I'd been David, as soon as I saw that big old boy fall, I'd break out in the victory dance. I'd find a victory dance, and then I'd do it, right? And I, I, I mean, if I had the courage to stare down the biggest, baddest dude in the, in the land, and I knocked him flat on his face, I mean, what, that's got to be an incredible feeling for David. I would have just stopped and said, all right, boys, go get them. I've done my part. Now you go. But that, that's not what David did. He didn't stop there. He knew that facing the giant wasn't enough. He had to finish him. And so he took Goliath's sword and killed him with it first, and then he cut off his head. Why did he do that? Because if David had not finished Goliath, he would have faced him again on another battlefield. The point is not just to win the battle, it's to win the war. Sometimes we face our fears in one area of our lives, and we get so excited we just start celebrating. We, with the freedom that comes from, from facing one fear is overwhelming sometimes. And, and, and that's okay in its time and season to celebrate and rejoice, but you've got to be sure that the giant of fear is not just knocked down, because we can't afford to let him get up again. We've got to keep pressing until it's not just faced, but finished. You've got to kill the giant. Well, what does that mean for us? Once you conquer a fear in one area of your life, then start looking for other strongholds. Because I promise you, you've got one, more than one stronghold in your life. You've got more than one area of your life where fear is trying to mess with you. So we need, to, we need to start looking for other strongholds, for other areas of fear, for other areas where ants seem to live, other areas where you procrastinate. Listen, you're not truly free of the giant of fear as long as that thing lives in any area of your life. Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And it's the same principle here. If you allow fear to live anywhere in your life, then your giant's not dead. He's just knocked out. And you never know where he's going to rear his big old ugly head. That's why David cut it off. We got to do the same thing. Because you never know where he's going to try to, fear is going to try to exert influence. Sometimes even in areas where you thought you had him conquered. We got to finish the giant of fear. Every time we discover an area where fear might be lurking, we've got to kill it and cut its hand off, cut its head off. Well, you can cut his hands off, too, while you're there, swinging the sword. Probably not good at swinging the sword anyway. You might cut his hands off while you're aiming for his head. But we've got to kill him. We've got to kill him. Listen, life is filled with tough choices, it's filled with difficult situations. And there's a lot of factors to consider when you're making decisions. But if fear is dictating the outcomes in your decisions, if in your decision-making process, fear gets its way over and over again, or let me put it simply, if you're making decisions because of what you are afraid of instead of what you're believing for, then you need to face and finish the giant of fear in your life. Now, I've been really honest some people tell me I'm a little too honest sometimes. But I've been really open with you since I became your pastor six years ago. And I've made, I've made no bones about it. I've confessed to you that I've struggled with control issues in my life. 
I am a recovering control freak. Anybody else in, in recovery with me? Yeah. If you are a control freak or even a recovering control freak, let me tell you the, the truth about people like us. You can call it whatever you want to. You can try to make it spiritual sounding if you'd like. You can spin it to make yourself feel better about it. You can say it's a personality trait. You can blame it on being detail-oriented. You can, you can even say it's your OCD. But if you're really honest with yourself, most of the time it's not OCD. It's F-E-A-R. It's fear. Listen, control is a response to fear. And until you admit that, you will never be free of it. I'm going to say that again, because I wish somebody told me this about 25 years ago. Control is a response to fear. If you're trying to control someone or something, it's because you're afraid of something. And you need to figure out what it is. Because that giant will stand in the middle of your life. And you'll run around like a crazy person trying to keep your finger on everything and everybody in your life. But you know good and well that your life either has already or soon will become like a crumbling dam. And you're trying, to, you're trying your best to plug all the leaks. But you and I know the collapse is coming. And you can't do anything about it. You are not making me feel any better today, John. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm trying to make you better. Because your feelings will lie to you. Take it from me. Go ahead and admit that you're afraid. Go ahead and admit you can't do it. But at the same time, admit that no matter how hard you try, you're really not in control of anything anyway. You know it's not working. All you're doing is driving everybody else around you crazy and driving yourself to the brink of emotional and physical collapse. It's time to face the giant of fear in your life. It's time to face him and finish him once and for all. I want to ask you to stand with me today, please. Here's the altar call. What is, it, what is it that's perpetuating fear in your life? What is it that's got you in this cycle? What is that thing? Is it the ants? Are you, are you, are you the one that just constantly thinks negatively about yourself or about the situation? You're going you're gonna to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? You're going to find a cloud inside every silver lining? Is it the blooper reel that plays in your, in your head? Is it that one failure you can't seem to forget? Is it procrastination? Are you a control freak? <laughs> Terrified of losing control that you don't actually have? It's time to face and finish the giants in our lives. Why don't you pray with me? We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. 
You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.